0: Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you today, Friday, April 17th, to be honest. I'm not sure the date matters right now because we're a long way from tennis and we just have to shelter in place and lock it down because we're living in the times of the coronavirus pandemic. It's been difficult for everyone across the globe. We're all in this together. Over 2 million confirmed cases worldwide, approaching 700,000 in the U.S. And tennis on hold, at least to July 13th, maybe later. Lots of things going on in the tennis world, and you guys can find out about those at our website. That's www.tennisnow.com. Articles right now about the comments made by USTA CEO Mike Douse about the status of the U.S. Open, and also some comments and an article about rumors we're hearing about a relief fund for lower-ranked players who could badly use some financial aid. And speaking of financial aid, we did talk about that topic with our next guest. He is Noah Rubin, the founder of BehindTheRacket.com. Of course, you guys are familiar with that site, which focuses on mental health issues within tennis it's always a great honor to speak with no we talked with him last year at indian wells just when behind the racket was getting started and gosh a year later so much has happened, and he's taken this site so far and it's really been just a treasure for tennis fans to kind of get to know the players behind the scenes get to know their issues started to fight the stigma of talking about mental health in tennis and really has branched out and You know, tackled other areas. He's a really interesting interview, and he's a really interesting person. He was just named recently as one of the top 20 most important people in tennis by L'Equipe magazine en France. That's a big honor for him. We talk about that. We talk about a lot of the issues facing the game as we lock it down right now, how the tours can collaborate better, uh, how we can possibly maybe come out of this stronger than ever before but there are a lot of issues to face in tennis and we're happy and pleased to chat about them with Noah Rubin so let's get straight into that interview we'll see you guys on the other side hey Noah Rubin really nice to speak with you today how you doing
1: i'm good thank you for having me
0: um, I know this is like one of the most crazy times we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And I think the first question I want to ask is, how you doing? How's your family? How's your life post-coronavirus?
1: Yeah, everybody's okay right now. Uh, thankfully, staying safe. Uh, I think I got the message across to my grandparents that it's not okay to go outside, and, which is good because they're stubborn. And, but I haven't really left the house in a few weeks. So a little cabin fever starting to kick in. So that's just what it is
0: great I see you you're keeping busy. I just saw you with a stringing pro on Instagram live, which was pretty cool so uh, how much media have you been able to do and how much working out and these sorts of things you're re- leading a fairly normal life oh, it's been
1: uh, it's been very very busy uh probably far busier than <laughs> my actual tennis career I've had about you know I've done my own behind the racket interviews with players I mean anywhere from one to four a day uh so that's been extremely prolific and you know going i've i've been interviewed done a lot of media probably about two interviews a day as well on top of that and doing a lot of work on the side so i've been extremely busy doing hours and hours but uh Yeah, so it's kind of difficult, but also really rewarding.
0: And does the mission of Behind the Racket, and for those of you guys not familiar with Behind the Racket know it can probably get you up to speed when he answers this question, but does the mission of Behind the Racket or the urgency behind the project maybe change a little bit now that we're into these tough times?
1: I think it just kind of shows not only the issues in tennis, but also you know, elevating a lot of the mental health problems people are just going through and how, you know, this is the perfect time to keep pushing this forward and have, and then make sure people are understanding that there is a community you can go to and speak to and there's help um, because I think a lot of people are dealing with a lot of issues right now and they and they have to know they're not well Yeah.
0: And let's start with a really big positive. L'Equipe mentioned you on their list of the 20 people that matter the most in tennis. I think it was last week. And this is no joke. I mean, there's ATP CEO Andrea Godenzi. There's WTA CEO Steve Simon. There's incoming Wimbledon chief Sally Bolton. There's Federer, Serena, Novak. And you, how does that make you feel? (laughs) Really no words. I mean, as
1: a tennis player, I'm not really used to getting trophies. and You know, I've done an article with them, but they had, you know, I had no previous knowledge that this was even a a thing that was happening or article that was going to go out. So to even be in the conversation, even if it was a typo, to even be in the conversation or be recognized, it's, you know, I don't feel like I deserve it, but again, I'm going to work to make sure it's worth it. And I'm going to keep, you know, it just shows that the, the the effort my team and I put into place is being recognized and that's, that's, that's really rewarding and and, and it really is motivating. So um, I'm going to make sure that I feel like I am, you know, worth, some kind of title but again I don't feel like I deserve to be at that level yet
0: yeah <laughs> I'm here to tell you you are deserving let's let's get to some pretty big topics I was on a conference call with the USTAC you know Mike dows today also saw just as you were doing your instagram Godenzi went on to tennis channel live and there's a lot of talk about aid to players specifically players ranked maybe 50 or 80 and and on down the lower ranked players who really need some financial aid right now i've seen you speak about it dows says that he'll be collaborating with it both tours and they'll be meeting and they're working on a project i know you guys are in touch you're in touch a lot with all your colleagues what is the word about aid to players how badly is this needed
1: yeah I mean it's definitely needed. And I'm like others where rent is going to be of concern in a little while. I know friends are already concerned, so yeah, it's just kind of the life we live where're hourly workers with who sometimes get larger checks than most hourly workers. that's just you know the reality so you know I'm just hoping that this awakens the people at the top of the sport to say, hey, these are highlighting the issues that we're all dealing with the sport of tennis let's use this time to evolve uh pandemic you see it in history things like this society can either crumble or cultures can crumble or you can evolve and i'm hoping that we evolve because yes of course i'm concerned about money and do i want it yes of course but at the same time i honestly know that there isn't a lot of money to go around tennis just doesn't make enough money so i'm hoping this lights a fire to say hey we have to create something that is a different system within tennis to learn, you know, to actually expand the pool of revenue where we can protect players in certain situations like this and everybody can get their fair share. So uh, I'm hoping that happens, but I am, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how, you know, I'm not holding my breath.
0: Right. Right. And, and, lo- and what about hypothetically a sort of a slush fund? I mean, there's enormous prize money in the slams and of course, lower ranked players, qualifiers they are getting a piece of that. But what about putting aside, Something each slam that possibly goes out to players in need during an emergency like this—is that something that is being discussed, or that you're aware of?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot being discussed. Again, you know, a lot of these tournaments just solely rely on their money every year. You don't even have a tournament going on that year, like missing out. Like you know, luckily they had some insurance, but you know, they rely on that you know on that money to help their organization, help federation, help their players. So without that money it becomes very difficult so with that being said there are things in discussions and budgeting in the past has been very poor with the percentage that actually goes to players but you know when so i do think there there are things that could be done to help but i think we have to actually fundamentally and at the foundation level change the sport of tennis
0: okay and d- do you feel like you now, as a founder of Behind the Racket, a lot more activity with you and other players? Do you feel like you have a voice? Do, do, you, do you have the ear of, say, for instance, Vashik Paspasil, a member of the Player Council? Can you tell me the character of the, some of the, your communications with fellow players and what's going on right now? Because many people are saying, like you've just said, this is a time to maybe spark some change.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of players actually kind of rely on me to be a voice. Um, you know, I think regardless of the players council, and to be honest, they do a lot of good work, but, um, I've been a little bit of a little bit upset of how it's been run in this circumstance. There's been a little lack of communication, but at the same time, I have a group text of about a hundred tennis players right now inside the top 250 in the world, some inside the top hundred. And we talk about things and I am talking to ATP at times and I'm talking to a lot of other people gathering basically a consensus consensus of what is going on, what they're thinking about, you know, what they would be on board with and, and talking to World Team Tennis and uh, Oracle and UTR and just getting a gist of how can we go about this? What can we do? Is it about creating an alternate league? Is it about, you know, finding change here, protecting? There's a thousand things we're working on and, um, you know, it's enough that
0: Behind the Record has given me a platform
1: and a voice to speak.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, if I could just put it to you, you you're a recent quote. I think it was in a, a racket magazine article. You said the number one thing on your list right now is unifying the voices of the players. Um, you think that this is highlighting how segregated we are this coronavirus pandemic and the, and the fallout. So, what are your thoughts on that in terms of unification? Are, are you speaking? about an actual players' union across the ATP or across the ATP and WTA? Are you just talking generalization, just unifying it in, in terms of all the governing bodies?
1: Yeah, and we definitely need somebody to speak to us. I don't think that the people the Players' Council, I think they're good. I just don't think they're qualified to truly speak on our behalf when it comes to financials and everything else. So I think we do need some kind of actual representation um but looking into a lot of the things that are taking place there's too many moving parts in my head there's too many egos to actually assume that change can come and i was hopeful in the beginning but now it seems like there might be it might be too difficult to actually enable change in our current system and that's why i'm looking at competing leagues and everything else going on because it might be easier to start over rather than uh to fix what we have
0: wow wow that's crazy um Yeah, you just mentioned some of your thoughts about sort of creating sort of a different style of tennis. And we've heard about this before, maybe more regionalized, maybe more team play, a lot of things like this, and maybe more inclusive of the women's game. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about this new show that we've seen with Bethany Maddox-Sands and Vashti Pospisil called Tennis United. It seems like maybe a small step taken for tennis with the men and the women, both tours sort of working together, but we've seen joint statements from the ATP and WTA. Do you think this is a positive step? Do you think this is something that needs to happen down the road in order for the sport to capitalize on its, uh, I guess the co-ed nature of the sport and how men and women are so successful in the sport, unlike most of the other major sports?
1: Yeah, I I don't. I think we just can't play in this no man's land anymore.
0: So we either have to go
1: one of two directions and, you know, neither the WTA or the ATP have actually plainly said something about this. So it's been very difficult. There've been times where you're like, okay, we're working together. Other times where it's like, no, they have nothing to do with this. So it's, we can't play in this no man's land. We have to be where we're either completely together or completely separate. Cause right now we're not reaping the benefits of either. And we're in this kind of limbo stage. So I think that's been hindering us, but you know, to be honest, I think, you know, ATP can thrive with or without WTA in certain cases and same with the, you know, the WTA. And I think at the same time, we can work together on many, many things and that can work out, work out as well. I just think that in this limbo stage right now, it's hurting
0: both of us. Yeah. Seems like a recurring theme, this this limbo stage.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a show like Tennis United, it's a good first step. I think it's a little bit superficial you know that's nothing to do with the players or anything i just think the actual action i think there should be other actions taken on a more severe stance right now and this is not what we should be putting you know our eggs into this basket necessarily i think there's more aggressive ways of going about it but again you know we have to have people that are really taking gutsy steps we need gutsy steps right now
0: Mm mm-hmm and Circling back to Behind the Racket and the evolution of this great website, that I believe is it's only been just over a year since you started. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I started about February 2019.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to see some of the uh, going through your website, and I mean, fans can find you on the website or they can just simply go to behindtheracket.com, which is the place that I like to view you at because it's kind of a, like a more complete and sort of more easier to navigate for me personally but either way is great and of course Twitter and everywhere but I mean the the caliber of players that you've started to bring on board I mean just the last one was Coco Goff which was a Incredibly insightful. I mean, can you just talk a little bit about the uh, the evolution of this project, where you see it's heading? I know where you see it heading. I know you've talked about the potential of sort of an art gallery type showing for yourself as a passionate photographer. What do you have planned maybe for the, the current future and then maybe on down the road? Do you see this thing just continuing to grow?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's no boundaries. Uh, you know, there's the Players' Tribune, which is, you know, one of the few other... Uh, uh, initiatives in the world of sports that is opening up in the mental health field. And they've been doing a lot, and you know, I have, and they're a to one. But, you know, specifically in tennis, and sport as the whole, this hasn't really been done too often. So, I don't think there's any end goal right now. I think there's a lot of things I'm working towards. Obviously, this is built in the mental health field, and, you know, mm-hmm. now I'm on the advisory board for NAMI, which is the National Association of Mental Illness. I'm really making waves in it I want to Create a legacy, and I want this to actually continue to help people on a larger, broader spectrum. But with that being said, I'm working on a clothing line. I'm working on a documentary. It's all about spreading the word and making a community that you know corrects some of the wrongs that I've seen, specifically in tennis and broader in the world
0: of sports. Mm. Very cool. And do, would you ever consider, do you ever think about branching into other sports? There's clearly a need for it in the other sports as well, or is your vision limited specifically to tennis? No, I mean, you
1: know, there's going to be a time where subjects, uh, my, I will only have a, a limited amount of su- subjects left, so I do believe that this will branch out into other sports initially and then to other fields. Um, I think there is no end here, and, and I think all sports deserve to be a part of this, so... Um, I'm excited to see how it takes place and how we go about this. Um, but this is, you know, this is something that's needed. We need to continue the conversation and we need to have people not only is it important to break the stigma you know, of mental health, but specifically in the world of sports. And then you have to, you know, humanize these athletes because I think a lot of people view them as superheroes and, you know, don't understand that we go through the same thing they may go through. And, and,
0: and it helps to relate on a deeper level. Yeah. Do you sometimes, I would imagine in the beginning, you had to reach out and do a lot of networking to find people? Is it now a situation where people are coming to you say, hey, Noah, I got to tell my story? When when can we meet up?
1: Yeah, obviously, for the top players, I'm still reaching out. But, you know, why it works so well is I'm a competitor like them. You know, I have a lot of these people's numbers. I'm friends with most, you know, 90% of them. And if not, I'm friends with them now. So, you know, that's why this has worked out. Because one, I give them final say. They know that this platform is built for them and it's not for me. Two, I'm a competitor. You know, I have my alternative motive and I feel what they feel. And I'm not trying to take that away from them. And they feel a comfort level with me that they don't feel with other media sources.
0: I wanted to circle back about some of the more current events, which I'm sure you're obviously keeping abreast of here. Tennis, due to start in early July, that would mean some tournaments, some 250s in Newport and Atlanta and then the city open and then hopefully or maybe or possibly whatever you want to say, the U.S. Open. A lot of discussion going on right now about playing the event with fans, without fans, possibly a sort of a hybrid where, with a social distancing element where a lot less fans are. Um, what are your thoughts here? What are the things that people maybe need to take into account when they consider this? Because of course it sounds like a win for the players who would then be able to get some prize money, but maybe a loss for the bigger events and a loss for the the public health. So how, what are your opinions on this situation right now with regard to fans and spectators at events this summer or anywhere down the road?
1: Yeah, I think we have to think of a few more creative paths, you know, just for, the health that we can't
0: keep promoting
1: this idea that we're going to get on the court ASAP. You know, that's just not going to happen, especially bigger tournaments. They're just not going to take place this year. That's just the plain truth. And I just can't imagine having a U.S. open like events going on in three months from now. So yeah, I think we have to think of more creative events. I don't think we can get people gathering, whether or even from, you know, the same community, that's just, you know, that that goes against everything that says. So we have to work hard to, to think of creative, ideas and events that that can you know you could do from home or you could do on your own and still get people watching and maybe bring revenue in so um, I think right now we have to look at the broader scheme and and not look too far forward and say hey how can we actually fix tennis right now and, and make it where we come back and we're in a better system than we were when we started and you know just fix all these problems we have I think we have to use our time much more wisely much more wisely than trying to react to the situation we have to be proactive And learn how to use this to our
0: advantage. Mm. Would you say that when you communicate on WhatsApp with the you know the over a hundred professional tennis players that you're connected with, is there a push for towards people wanting to rush? Is there a mix? What would you say the vibe? Of course, I
1: mean it's yeah, it's tough. You know, you want you want people you want people to want to play tennis, and they want their money and they want to pay you know their rent and get out there, but. You know, at the same time, a lot of most of them are like, yeah, I can't imagine having a U.S. Open event right now. I mean, tennis is such an internationally based sport that you just you can't have the ATP or WTA going on while there's no vaccine or, you know, while there's it's still roaming around in certain countries. You can't just tell certain areas of the world you can't play the tournament. So that's going to be an issue. Mm.
0: And Noah, my last question for you, and um, this one might hit home with you. As a New Yorker, I know you're from Long Island and you're there right now. Um, what has it been like? And maybe you can help the listeners understand what it's been like to be in a place that is so significantly impact impacted by this virus as New York has been. And not just, to, I know it's not as bad in Long Island as it as it is in New York City, but can you comment on that briefly before I let you go?
1: Yeah, yeah, the morale is a little bit lower than that but you know we're doing anything we can to help first responders even if it's just trying to make them smile because you know we're we're reaching record highs of of deaths and you know people in hospitals and it's just terrifying and sad and depressing and you know we just have to be there but if anything if New Yorkers know how to do well guess it's, is you know move past and and join together past that a bit better and more united than ever so we're doing what we can but morale's low right now and
0: uh we just have to sit together yeah i hear you morale's low everywhere and um i want to thank you so much for joining me today noah wish you all the best hang tough and keep doing what you're doing because it's been an inspiration to so many of us out there in in the tennis community and the world at large
1: thank you for having me a part of
0: this absolutely my pleasure you take care talk soon be safe this edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to guest Noah Rubin for joining us. You guys can go ahead and find Behind the Racket on the interwebs. Just go to BehindTheRacket.com. That's racket spelled R-A-C-Q-U-E-T. BehindTheRacket.com. You can also find Noah's work on Instagram, Instagram.com slash BehindTheRacket. What else can I tell you about Noah? Just Google Noah Rubin Le Keep. You'll find out about how he's one of the 20 most important people in tennis and you can also listen to his podcast it's called the coffee cast and that's also part of the tennis channel podcast network and that's it for us from tennis now the lucky let cord podcast you guys can find tennis now on social facebook.com slash tennis now on twitter at tennis underscore now also hit us up on itunes just google the lucky let cord podcast you guys be safe take care we'll talk to you soon